And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 263, aka Year 6, Week 13, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC Ken Schooland. All right. And since you guys are on the line, we still have phone numbers 303 335 9527 or 303 835 1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what is going on with you guys this week? Well, I just heard that Hawaii is ready to open up for business again as long as we wear masks and stay six feet away. Is that true? Because I was talking to Em about it last night. and She's like, I think Hawaii's going to open. And I go, not a chance. It's like the worst place. It's, you know... How can how can you guys justify opening up ahead of anybody else, um, given how harsh the crackdown has been thus far? Well, because we have, uh, on average, less uh, infections than the rest of the nation. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, okay, so the, that begs the question then. Do you have less infections because they crack down so hard? Is that a justification for you know the the government government suspension of freedoms and liberties and essential businesses and all that nonsense that they're doing everywhere uh, because uh, it worked apparently. Um, well, there's I mean there's always a way to justify pretty much whatever you want in your own mind. Um, you know, do I think it's worth it? I think probably not, but. Um, I'm sure it uh, contained uh, the virus somewhat. Um. <laughs> Ken, I really don't know. I'm not an expert on the uh, on the spreading of diseases and and that sort of thing. I think that uh, one thing that I learned is that the government actually prevented a lot of very early testing kits. I mean, an important thing for being able to protect yourself is to be able to test yourself and find out very quickly when you've got a disease. And uh, then you you don't want to spread it. Nobody wants to spread a disease. I mean, when I, you know, I cough, I cover my, my mouth. It's sort of a natural thing. You don't want to spread a disease if you know you have it. To know you have it, you have to have the tests. And the and the government stood in the way of, of people getting access to tests um, for three to four weeks um, so that it had a lot of time to spread before people were able to test. They couldn't get a lot of protective equipment. Uh, people were wearing masks. I mean, people wore masks uh, around various times, especially people from Asia were coming to Hawaii or, or I'd have uh, Asian students who'd wear a mask at school and so on. Nobody thought anything badly of it. They thought, well, they're they're courteous. They, they've got a cold and they don't want to spread it. Um, or maybe that's flu season and they don't want to get it. Um, that's sort of a natural impulse. But the government stood in the way and wouldn't let them uh, 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 get access to these things, uh, the protective gear, uh, most, both, both for medical professionals and for others. I'd say there were a lot of things that the government that did that, that probably aggravated the situation a lot. Well, and it's natural, too. If you, if you feel like you're going to, that everybody at a restaurant uh, could be contaminated, well, you choose voluntarily not to go out to the, to the restaurant. So you say it's natural for people to not want to spread the disease. Um, but there are always bad actors, um, usually young, usually male, 
right? Eh, whatever. <laughs> that that will purposefully go out of their way to uh, incite p- others, incite you know their community members, um, you know, with the pranks like the licking the ice cream or the touching the stuff or the you know purposefully coughing in the fruit aisle or whatever. Uh, that didn't care. Uh, whether or not they were infected or whether or not they were spreading or, you know, whether or not they valued the lives of their fellow community members. And therefore, the state was needed to protect everyone against bad actors because, well, even though most people will act decent, decently, right? Most people are decent. You said you cover your mouth. You don't want to infect others. You wear the mask if you feel like you're sick. Um, what about those bad actors that don't care? What do you, what do, you do about those if the state's not going to step in and protect everybody? Well, you, you you can't. I mean, this is a a, a common libertarian argument that uh, there are bad people, therefore, therefore, you need the government to protect us. Well, there are bad people in government too, and if you give what you want is the maximum amount of volunteerism and voluntary action with people, so that you can boycott people, you can a, a private business, you can tell that person uh, to get out of the store, you can even sue them for for damage and injury. Uh, but when those people get into positions of power in government and um, then do their things on a grand scale, you can't do anything to stop them. So I think there's still a libertarian argument for bad actors. You're never going to get rid of a world with bad actors. You just want to limit the power that they have to do damage to other people. Um, but this brings us to this other point that we touched on just before the session began about how the role of government has broken down the fabric, the motive that people have for building relations with their neighbors uh, and with their families. Take, for example, savings. We know that throughout history, people always anticipated there were going to be hard times in life, okay? They they might lose a job. They might uh, have some illness. Their their kids might get uh, into trouble. So you save, and you, you, you build up a savings as part of your of your life lesson and it was taught by by uh, Benjamin Franklin and the Aesop's fables and all of the lessons of the uh, of uh, history have been talking about the importance of savings and yet what has government done is tremendously discouraged personal savings saying well you don't have to save for retirement we've got social security you don't have to save for for uh, medical expenses as you as get into old age. We've got Medicare. You don't have to take care of your kids. We've got public schools. You don't have to um, uh, do, do anything that might be a, a, a risk, a motive for savings in your own personal life. You don't have to worry about it. As a matter of fact, if you do save, you're going to get 0% interest or maybe 0.25% interest instead of... Uh, uh, five six percent interest on your savings. The motive for saving is gone. As a matter of fact, why save? Because your money is going to be worth less by inflation um, in the in the years down the road anyway. So well, even in the, the current situation, why save? Because we're going to hand out twelve hundred bucks to everybody. Exactly, and so and they are going to print up a ton of money, which is even going to make your savings worth less in the future because of the inflation. So the the the. And we were talking a little bit earlier about how you build relations with your neighbors. In anticipation of hard times or something that may come up, you you build a, a bond with your neighbors. You build communication with your neighbors so that when something comes up, you can just talk to them about it. No big issue. But uh, now with the diminished 
uh, with the increased role of the police state and the uh, uh, increased role of government in all aspects of our lives, wherever we think there might be risk, we don't take personal responsibility responsibility and we don't build the relationships the fabric of society is gone not only with the family but also with the community so you know uh, i think we're more um the not we you and me but uh, i think society in general is much much more dependent on their politician saying well just complain write a letter to the congressman and say well my neighbors uh uh barbecuing every Saturday night and it, and the noise uh, and the, the smell bothers me. But the, the, the government comes through with a heavy hand to crack down. So it's effective, right? So there's, there's still no, there's no disincentive uh, from, from leaning on the state to, you know, do your bidding for you um, if they're on your side, right? If you say, Hey, go hit that guy with the club because he's bothering me. Uh, and the state goes, all right, dunk, and the club him. Right? Why would you ever uh, choose to talk it out to be cordial with your neighbor when you've already got the state on your side? Right. So it, with society uh, being the way it is, right? It's it's morphed into this over time. Um, you know, the, the let's let's take a step back a little bit because the reason we had that discussion previously um, was because I I said you know how's the quarantine going, uh, and you and MC both said well we're not really quarantined. You know, you, you've you've voluntarily chosen. No, we're not quarantined. To, I said we're we're jo- we're enjoying our quarantine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not you're you're voluntarily quarantined, right? It's not, the 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 mandate of the state has no effect on you because you would have chosen those things anyway, right? Is is kind of like where we got into the discussion, and that's how it led into, well, if the state weren't there, what would you be doing otherwise? Um, well, and, Ken would be t- teaching at at his college. Yeah, and also I think we would we would go to the beach and uh, uh, I I would swim. That's still allowed, but I I would uh, it would be nice to be able to spend some time lounging at the beach as well, or to go on a hike. Uh, every uh, Saturday uh, morning, I'd go for a hike with my friends, and it's good for exercise. Um, in fact, all of these exercise things you would think would be highly encouraged, but they're um, those are the things that are. Yeah, well, that's man, the but, conspiracy you know. part of it because healthy diet and exercise, right, is how you would naturally defeat a virus, right? And all of a sudden they're saying you can't go out and get real exercise. You can only go for a walk or for a jog, but they've, you know, all the gyms or whatnot are closed down. If you're out for too long, you know, they're, they're going to question as to why you're out there. Uh, but vitamin C, vitamin D and exercise, yeah, seems to work on viruses pretty darn well. And yet they they don't want anybody out of the house. Why? Why do they Why do they want to keep people sick? I don't think that they are that they they know why uh, they're acting. They're acting because they're under pressure to do something. You know the the politicians they know it's an election year. They know that um, down the road in a month or two or even right away their opponents are going to say, "Well, you're not." You're not taking care of people. You're not doing enough. And so they they respond, not because, I think, because they want to be mean and want to hurt people and control people. They want, they're responding because they want power. I mean, they want to have, get reelected. They want to be popular. And uh, everyone's, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people are, are clamoring for, do something. And and that's a, a, 
common mentality. And it's it's part of our responsibility, I think, to be part of the clamor for people, hey, politician doing something isn't necessarily making life better. I mean, we're all taking a playing a role here to uh to try and educate the public about alternatives to just asking the government to it's it's you know the big mama big ba- daddy kind of uh, attitude that politicians are big mama and big daddy and you just um, and people don't grow up they they don't uh, see themselves as as actors in life that have as much responsibility for their own behavior as for politicians and it's usually because they're talking about the other guy and well the other guy can't it's the bad apple we can't we yeah. we can't can uh, count on well, th- this is where we may disagree, Ken, because I said it's time to protest right here in New Hampshire. Uh, there were free state project members out in the Capitol saying, you know, let us out. We should be free. Um, you know, holding the signs, pictures all over social media now, if you want to check those out. Um, and you said that, you know, uh, there was an opportunity to protest uh, there in Hawaii and you didn't feel like it was a good idea. And there was only one other guy there. Right. Like one, one guy went to protest to, to be, to be set free, to be liberated from this, uh, you know, this lockdown, this quarantine, this house arrest. Um, and you said, and you, I think the way I understood your point, Ken, was that it was, uh, not a sympathetic protest, right? You couldn't get enough people on your side to make you appear to be the good guy. So it's not worth protesting this one. Well, don't, don't read much into my reaction. If you hear a rumor from one person have to be my wife. She said, I heard that there's going to be a rally worldwide on this. Well, that's one statement. Of course, I have to give very, very high priority to what my wife says. Um, but a rumor uh, by word of mouth is not a movement. It's not uh, a signal that, that thousands of people are going to be rallying uh, over a great cause. I heard a rumor. I had a medical issue that also deterred me from wanting to take a big action for uh, based on that one comment. I mean, I you you please don't um, make too much of my not wanting to go down to that one event. Okay. It turned out that there was one person down there with I guess with his family, you know, and I praise him. He's a he's a good. A uh, hearted guy who is a, a great champion of liberty, probably could have benefited by somebody else showing up and standing with him as well. I did show up at his uh, when he ran for public office, and I signed wave for him and all, and he was very appreciative. But you know, come on, uh, there's a lot of things in life, and you can't respond to every rumor that goes around about hey, uh, there, there, you know, there's there's a great cause. One time I did go down to uh, protest. Um, uh, uh, a politician, and I'd I'd acted on a rumor. I went down with my whole family, and it turned out that uh, it was not organized by the people that I uh, supported. I mean, that it was yeah, that it was it was a I was it was a little bit of an embarrassment to be at this particular event that I didn't know more about it. So I mean, you you can't just say, well, you know, I'm totally responsible for not having shown up at, uh, at this cause. You know, there are a lot of factors in whether or not you put your, your life, your reputation, your, your daily activities uh, on the line for every protest. I mean, not every protest is, is a worthy protest. You have to pick and choose your time, your energy, and your talents. Sure. Um, 
in in a way that's going to be effective. You don't want right. to just look like a clown out on the street. So so similarly to you then, right? Again, there was a protest here in New Hampshire at the Capitol uh, today. Uh, I was not there, right? I was I was also uh, unable to go to that particular protest because I was working, right? Could I have not gone to work to go to the protest? Sure. Could I have, you know, could they, could they have been scheduled more conveniently for my time? Sure. Right. But I would, I would not take the position that a protest, uh, for the cause of freedom and liberty, right. Is not a, is not a worthy endeavor, right. Regardless of the public sentiment, right. I am fully aware, uh, that the general public is not on the same side of freedom and liberty as it relates to the the coronavirus COVID nineteen situation, right? When I go when I go to uh, to do free talk live on Sundays, we have a meetup uh, prior to the show, right? Like in Central Square, uh, gathering, right? And so far, the two that I've gone to did not have enough people showing up to officially be an act of uh, rebellion or protest, because the law says you know you may not gather ten or more. And last time we had like eight people, right? Which is, you know, and, and our normal, our dinners that we used to have uh, before the show, before the lockdown, quarantine, house arrest thing, you know, used to get 10, 12, 15 people at most. So it's not like there's a huge drop off in numbers, um, but we go out there. You know, last time I was out there, they, they had pizza, they had beer, uh, and they were, you know, just drinking beer out in public in Central Square, you know, just because they wanted to, right? And... There was a lot of people who drove by and honked in support, and there was a lot of people that drove by and honked and yelled at us for being miscreants and, you know, <laughs> causing the spread, uh, you know, and, and, you know, all this other nonsense, like, put a mask on, you idiots, was one of the things, like, you know, well, you buck morons, you know, that sort of thing, right? But, you know, none of us, none of us uh, were symptomatic, none of us had been tested positive, you know. We're just free people out there gathering, and that's one that I was able to attend and chose to go to. Uh, but even if I'm not able to attend, right, I still think that it's a it's a cause worth protesting. Um, and I think that's where there was a little bit of uh, a disagreement with you, not only in our, our conversation prior to the show, um, but in other conversations we've had, Ken, where you said that it's it you know the best protest uh, require. Uh, the you know the the sympathetic audience right we brought up the example pre-show about the pastor that feeds the homeless and gets arrested right and that's a worthy cause right but there there may be pushback against it but when he gets arrested because he does it in front of the cameras um, he's he's sympathetic uh, and right now with the covid thing there's not a lot of people sympathetic to protest there's not a lot of people sympathetic to the ideas of freedom and liberty so this is not a battle that we should fight uh, as you know, libertarians or anarchists or whatever. No, you. Well, I don't think you've read my my reaction properly. Okay, please clarify then. No, I, they, I'm saying if you want to be effective, you know, and and get your idea across to people and have them join you in the point that you're trying to make about freedom, then it's good for you to pick and choose you know the the case that's going to make your your case stronger in case of the guy who who goes out and feeds the homeless defies the law in order to do that he's certainly i think it's a very easy case to sell and build a lot of sympathy about how the state is is uh, uh running counter to human impulse and to individual liberty if on the other hand you say well i want to blur my 
uh, my music really loud uh, at my house, uh, and I, I want to uh, annoy all the neighbors just to make a point about my right to, to uh, defy the law and to uh, make a case. I mean, look at effectiveness. You know, people are going to look at the latter case and they say, what a jerk. He, he doesn't, he's being rude to his neighbors and he's just defying the law just to be um, uh, uh, obstinate. He's not doing it for um, a case that, uh, that I can sympathize with. Right. So, you know, pick and choose your, your case. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Which, you know, which is not, fair. Not that liberty isn't, yeah. But let's, well, let's, and, let's, let's talk about this case specifically then. Right. I want to be able to go outside and hang out with my friends and, and congregate with as many people as I want to, uh, because freedom. Yes. And I, and that it's perfectly in the realm of freedom for the guy who going by and sneer at you and, and mock you for having been, uh, maybe, not so smart about the disease. If there's a disease out there, one thing about this particular disease is that you could have it and not have any of the signs. So you said, well, I didn't have it. How do you know you didn't have it? A lot of people do have it. That's why they, why it spreads. They they don't know that they've got it until they've spread it to other people. Well, and to and be so, fair, I didn't say I didn't have it. I said none of us were symptomatic and none of us have tested positive. Okay. And number one, the test probably... I don't know that how many of you did the test, but my guess is that not all of you had the test. Maybe very few had done the test because the government hasn't um, allowed the testing to be readily available. Sure. Uh, and number two, yeah, you didn't have the symptoms, but that does only show up maybe even a week after you've maybe contracted it. In fact, there are a lot of people, they say, I, you know, I'm reading the news just like anybody else about these experts that, that try and describe what this phenomena is, that you could have the the disease and not know that you've got it, even yeah. even when you're through with it. Some people just don't have the reaction to it, but they can spread it to others. Yeah. So they, when can we go outside again? Like when when is it safe <laughs> to lift the lockdown? When the government tells you. <laughs> Which is bullshit. No, it it's, is. It's always going to be a bullshit answer. The, the true answer is never fucking again, right? Because because it's so insidious, because of what Ken just said, it's so insidious, you can have it, not know it, spread it, it takes two weeks, uh, you know, uh, incubation period, up to two weeks incubation period before, you know, you may even become symptomatic. The answer is never fucking again, right? Because no matter when you're out, whoever you came into contact with that day may be a carrier, may have spread it to you, you won't know for two weeks and then you're going to be spreading it for the next two weeks before you realize it. So why not? Fuck it. Let's go outside. Let's move on with our lives. You know, if he dies, he dies. If you want to be safe, do what you think is right to be safe. But you cannot lock down a state. You cannot lock down a county. You cannot lock down a country in fucking definitely uh, because everyone is scared of some, you know, some disease as valid as that claim may be. Well, I, I I agree with you, Evan. You haven't said anything that I disagree with. Um, I think that it's uh, incumbent on private individuals uh, conducting their business uh, to try to um, not... Uh, uh, you don't want to spread diseases. Nobody wants to, okay? Well, I don't know. Maybe some, some people do. In fact, there, there are bad actors. We already uh, talked about the bad arrested. actors. We weren't worried about them. Yeah. But I think it's... It's, they set the example, the, the, the 
the justification for all the government actions. There was a woman down in Waikiki, uh, I guess a, a homeless woman, who was walking around spitting on people, saying, I have, uh, I have coronavirus, and then spitting on them in their face. Well, these people got upset about it, and they called the police, and the police... Uh, Took her in some kind of a, a kind of a balloon uh, they 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 put around <laughs> her to keep her from spitting on them, and they they took her away. I don't know where they put her. They probably would put her in a prison where where she's gonna spit on everybody else. I don't know. Sure, people do some really strange things, you know. And, and, and I would say that spitting officials. on people would be considered an act of aggression, and yes. any any sort of defensive action would be justified by the individuals. It just so happens that the police were, you know, acting in agency to the individual in this particular case. But if she were just walking down the street, right, claiming to have the virus, right, not spreading it, not spitting on anybody, right, where where's the where's the justification for aggression there? Well, they they didn't. I mean, I I walk all over. I I, I can walk anywhere in uh, on the island, I think, and not get arrested. Uh, just for walking somewhere. And I mean, I wanted to go to Costco. Costco has a perfect right to say, well, we ask all members to wear a mask before you come into the store. Sure. I think that's a a, a, a proper thing for, for a, a store to do. As a matter of fact, there was a store down in Chinatown. I went into their store and they asked me, please leave because uh, you don't have a mask. Sure. And, um, you know, I respect that, that that's their right because they're trying to protect their customers and keep a reputation of it being a, a nice safe place to go to right and i that's that's remarkable now you said you can walk anywhere you want to basically in hawaii but can, but you cannot walk anywhere in hawaii anytime you want right because last i heard there was you know the the curfew from 11 well, to 5 they, they had right? that uh last weekend they ended that i don't know okay. why they started it i don't know why they ended it but, well i'm glad they ended know, it i i suspect that there's that they get feedback a lot about it too. Frankly, my opinion is that the safest place to be uh, would be at the beach. Uh, if you're gonna, you know, even if you're hanging out with friends and all that, uh, that I, I, I think the nice breezes coming in from the trade winds and all that are, are likely to be a very, very safe environment for, um, for mingling. But, and for hiking, gee, uh, you ought to be able to hike on trails. People are all the time walking their dogs and, and doing jogging around the neighborhood and the. The government doesn't stop them. Some wear masks, some don't wear masks. But I don't, um, I don't, I mean, I think it can get a lot worse. I think you're right that there should be pushback. It's just that I hope that you can do it in a way that you get the public behind you because they see your point. Or if you, if you do it in a, in a just thumb your nose uh, attitude at them without seeing that they have fears and concerns, then you're just going to anger them. And, you know, if people will, will say, my gosh, these, these guys could care less about our public, our, our, our safety and so on. So lock them up. Well, you don't want them saying that. You want people to be sympathetic to, to, to the point you're making. Yeah, and, and my point is that there's, there's not a lot of people sympathetic to this because everyone, when the lockdown started, the vast majority of people cheered it on, called it necessary, was begging for more, right? That's the that's the experience that I saw in in the news articles that I saw in the in the in you know the people driving by talking to customers um, at, at at my place of work um, was that the vast majority of people wanted this right they they wanted the lockdown there were there were people saying like you know why why is there essential workers out working 
right? If, they, if there's going to be essentials out working, then they, they could spread it, right? Lock everything down. Shut everything down for two weeks, right? <laughs> no one, everyone is on, you know, fucking house arrest. Uh, what is it? Uh, you know, solitary confinement for two weeks. We'll get through two weeks of this bullshit, and then we can all be free again. And, you know, the us people who don't give a shit that about that go like well no you can you can be locked up for two weeks i'm gonna go about my business for two weeks uh because freedom right and i don't i don't need a sympathetic audience i don't need a public support uh to behave in a free manner the the government shouldn't aggress even if the public wants them to i think this is going to be a test case for something that could be much much worse much more serious in the future i mean you've seen the movies about contagion or, or various diseases and all that are uh, are more much more deadly than this one i mean we we know that i mean from what i've read i and i don't know if i read an article that says this is 10 times more deadly than the flu uh, but even though that uh that's 10 times more it's still minimal compared to traffic accidents and drownings and a lot of other things that can go on um, but I think that, uh, in a sense, this is an important, it, it could have been, it, it could have been a much worse disease. I mean, I think a couple of years ago we faced, uh, uh Ebola, which was, uh, um, uh, not yeah. as contagious, but it was certainly much more of a dreaded, horrible disease. Right. Suppose we had the combination of the Ebola, um, with all of its horrific, uh, uh, deadly side, and the contagion that this one has. Now, fortunately, these don't. And, and, and in a sense, with mutations, you, you, you don't know what the second wave or third wave might be, as it was in the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu showed us that the, uh, the, the first wave came on in March of 1918, and it was not so serious. But the second wave came on in, in July of 1918 and was much more serious, as was the third wave that came on in December. Slight mutations... Uh, a flare-up in the in the population, and it was um, it was terribly deadly, um, and it was primarily deadly, I think, because the governments were at war, and they censored uh, the news reporting about it, so people didn't know about it except what was happening immediately in their neighborhood, um, and I and and yet after it was all over, then we had the Roaring Twenties. Booming prosperity as we've never had before in the country, I think. I think the country can uh, bound back, but also, I think pretty much the country forgot about the Spanish flu. Uh, didn't uh, uh, people didn't anticipate what a pandemic can really do to a country? And I would hope that even if this was that bad or a million times worse than the flu or Ebola, right? That the liberty position, right, the anarchist position, the libertarian position would still not be, okay, okay, we got it. We need government, right? We don't. It, it's, there, there should be, there should never be a justification uh, for aggressive use of force by the state, regardless of circumstance, right? Well, I agree with you. The, the, the libertarian position is that uh, voluntary non-coercive, uh, non-aggressive uh, action uh, can always solve these problems much more readily than with government. I, I don't have any quarrel with that at all. Um, sadly, we, we have right now a government that is big and growing 
And so we need to cope with it as long as it exists there. But yeah, I think we could talk all day about ways that the free society uh, would respond to a virus much more effectively than um, than a, a, the state-run society. Yeah, and for for me personally, right? I don't I don't protest uh, just to thumb my nose at the state. Uh, I go out with friends because I am not concerned about the ill effects of catching the virus, right? Like when it, when it first came released, they, they said like how, how contagious this is, you know, and how quickly and easily it spreads. And I went, oh, I'm probably going to get it, right? Like if, if there's no running from it, why would I change my, my daily habits, routines otherwise, right? If everyone's going to get it anyway. Right. Not to mention uh, that I'm not in a high risk group. Right. I'm not I'm not elderly. I don't have pre-existing medical conditions. I don't have respiratory ailments uh, already. So even if I were to contract it, but the likelihood is I'd be in the survival class. Right. Like I'd beat it and move on with life. Um, And so I act accordingly. Right. If it was if it was, you know, as contagious as it is and as deadly as Ebola, I might temper my behavior. Right. But I wouldn't need the state. I wouldn't need the government to like instruct me to temper my behavior. I would do the risk assessment myself and act accordingly then. Right. Which is why I don't begrudge people who are, you know, self-quarantining or or in fear or in the high risk class from from doing their thing. Right. Man, if you if you're worried about getting the virus, like don't come hang out with us because you never know. Right. Could have got it yesterday. Could have got it two weeks ago. You just never know at this point, uh, because it, it's so easy. It's so easily contracted that you know there were stories of oh no, this person was in like lockdown for three weeks, but they grabbed their Amazon box and all of a sudden they got it and died, right? If that's how bad it is, like what what can you do? Um, you know what? How bad does it have to get? I guess, um, but I don't worry, right? If you're worried, you know, if, if that concerns you, you self quarantine, you stay away voluntarily. Uh, but don't get the don't get the state involved to force me to quarantine because you're scared of getting it later. Fine. No no quarrel with that. Yeah. Is there is there behavior where you might uh well okay you you say that if 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 I'm in a high risk category and you're not I just decide to stay home and stay away from everybody and and your behavior won't affect me at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's that's probably uh, probably true. I I think. Uh, Why would you be concerned of me playing outside if you can't go outside anyway? Right. Now, there's another thing, though. I, I as I understand it, yes, there are higher risk categories. This means the percentage of likelihood of getting the disease is up. Um, I, I I don't really know. I'm kind of speaking just from rumor and gossip or whatever that it's it seems like yes your risk was up but there are people young people uh, healthy people who uh have contracted it and also died but that's true of, of the flu and uh, uh but then maybe they had some kind of underlying condition maybe they had uh, diabetes or or something um uh anyway so uh, i sure 
But again, then I, what's I, the alternative, right? You never go outside again. You never live your life because just like any other disease, uh, virus, contagion, germ, right? It's out there and it could get you next, right? No one expects to die of those types of things. And yet they do, right? No one expects to get hit by a bus and yet right. they do, right? And okay. then, But we and go about our business. Go ahead. Each evaluating our own risk factors. Yeah, I, exactly. I agree with you on that. That's no, no problem at all. And it, it can happen from all sorts of things. I mean, somebody will get a cancer and they don't know why, but they, they young or old or whatever, and uh, that's that's life. And uh, you're right, it it, it uh, partly falls into this whole mentality of what people think should be and what they think the law should be. You know, like, for example, uh, you say, well, uh, people should be paid $15 an hour. But it's a different thing to say, and the law shouldn't allow anyone to be paid less. You know, then then you're asking the government to inter intervene. And yeah. I think it's it's perfectly appropriate for you to be uh, advising people on what they should do or shouldn't do in, ter in terms of the disease. But uh, mandating it uh, by law is, is right. the natural impulse of most democratic societies. Well, if, if it should be, then we make it so by a 51% vote and we turn the guns of the state against violators. <laughs> and that's what I'm seeing. And that's that's why I don't I don't anticipate this ever being a sympathetic cause because there are those that have assessed the risk themselves, have gone out, have been aggressed against by the state, and what I see from the general public is cheering the state on. Right? Good. These fucking idiots shouldn't be on the beach. He shouldn't have been paddleboarding. What is he doing jogging at two in the morning anyway? Right? That type of nonsense. Where they, they're not sympathetic with the person just going about their business and they're cheering on the state. And I don't care if those people are ever sympathetic to my cause because I'm not sympathetic to them as human fucking beings. Actually, maybe more of our focus of our <clears throat> discussion could shift to the ways that the government has inhibited people in the marketplace from responding uh, to these things. I, I suspect that early on, Without the obstacles that the FDA puts in place and that the CDC puts in place against testing and and uh, tracking and uh, holding people and personal responsibility, I think there would have been a, a very very quick and effective market response to these problems uh, if they hadn't been impeded by the government in the first place. I mean, look at things like such as hospitals. You know, they say we got a shortage of hospitals. Well. Why is that? It's because you've got to have a certificate of need authorized by the competing competing hospitals before you can even build a hospital. Yep, we talked and, about that on and, Free Talk and, Live about two, three weeks ago now. And uh, it's ridiculous. Before you can have uh, doctors in their field, I mean, they've got doctors from all over the world who would love to be working here and serving here, but they're not allowed because the AMA has its uh, licensing system that that keeps uh, uh, the doctor shortage permanent and. And uh, to yeah, serve the all, coronavirus, all they were talking about letting people out of med school start practicing sooner, right? We need doctors. All you med school graduates, get your ass to work. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. Showing how right. ridiculous all the, everything else leading up to that is unnecessary if all of a sudden, you know, they're okay, right? We didn't trust them as doctors a month ago, but now they're fine. They're fine We because we need them, right? What's that all about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so true. Any other points on the uh, the response of government or the free market? 
Like what, what else did you, what else would you like to see, uh, from, you know, free market actors, uh, in the, well, in the face of, well, here's the, here's a, a thing that's come up. I've just been asked to, to write an article about <clears throat> this, uh, thing that was just announced in the, in the, the governor has appointed a, a czar, essentially, they call him a navigator, oh, but it's essentially a czar who's going to help us recover. And I'm thinking about how government uh, action, ha you know, the politicians always, always, always answer every problem with more power. And it's going to be handing this guy who's got power. And they say, and we've built a firewall against uh, um, conflict of interest. Well, that's nonsense. They haven't built a firewall against conflict of interest. They're introducing it and saying, oh, but don't worry about it because uh, because we're aware the conflict of interests uh, arise. But don't worry about us. And also they just suspended all of the uh, uh, transparency laws, which says that uh, all of these meetings and discussions have to be in the open and to the public. Now they say, no, 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 it's too important to keep it uh, closed. So they're going well, and to... And it's unsafe, right? You can't have that many people gathering. Well, even that they can't even report about it publicly. It has to be all closed meetings. And uh, so that's that's the pure uh, uh, invitation to corruption. Uh, all the favors of opening, who gets to open, who doesn't get to open, gets handed out to whoever's been politically well-connected. And uh, instead of just getting out of the way of the market, letting it uh, spring into action, uh, the government has to manipulate the controls. And I'm going to give as an example, a counterexample was pointed out to me about how uh, Germany and Japan um, responded after World War II. They were both reduced to rubble. The government occupation forces were controlling every aspect of the economy. They got no growth, stagnant economic uh, circumstances, until they just said enough of this and they instituted uh, radical free market reforms and they uh, they became the second and third largest economies in the world through this economic miracle of of free markets. And the same thing would happen here. We wouldn't have any issues with the market if they just let them alone. And they get out of the way, too. And the tariffs. I can't believe that Trump has gone around the world saying Saudi Arabia, Russia, Mexico, restrict your oil output because prices are too low. We've got to keep prices high. This is an yeah. election year, and we're worried about the Texas vote. And uh, what a dick move that was! I pumped it, out a dollar thirty-six the other day. I didn't, I didn't see any back from the media or or anybody about. The, I mean, because the way it's couched is, oh well, we've got a glut of oil. Prices are too low. We've got to keep those prices high. That's the same kind of behavior that uh, the Roosevelt administration had when they came in in the Great Depression and paid farmers to destroy millions of acres of growing cotton, to destroy millions of head of cattle, millions of head of pigs, um, dump uh, millions of gallons of, of milk down the drain, dump uh, piles, mountains of, of wheat into the ocean because we've got to keep those farm prices high. And yet, even today... People look at the Roosevelt administration, they say, ah, he rescued us from the Great Depression by destroying food and production. And that's exactly what's happening now. The tariff barriers would be ended tonight on not just on the steel that was outlawed from uh, a couple countries, but they could end the trade barriers on all the uh, agricultural products. If they really want to help the public, instead of handing out a check, 
uh, of some more money, but no food, no, you know, the lack of production, they could just increase the availability of, of the products and lower their prices by dr- tremendously uh, getting out of the way. And the Jones Act. Well, and that's Hawaii, the key. Could, the getting could, out of the way is the, the, the important part, right? You don't want the government controlling the controlling output or prices, just getting out of the way and letting them set and fall where they lie. Right. Well, You're saying the Jones that, Act? That's uh, in the Jones Act, of course, cuts off about 99% of the world's shipping to American uh, Americans who want to ship from Hawaii to the mainland or even from Gulf uh, of uh, Texas, um, Gulf of Mexico up to Cal- up to New York. Uh, any kind of shipping in America, uh, even up the uh, Mississippi, has to be on an American-made ship. Well, that's five times more expensive than a foreign-made ship. And that means that uh, everything that's shipped is going to be much more expensive. They could end that. And... Uh, uh, but they're keeping America great. lower the costs. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're protecting well, American jobs, protecting American livelihoods. Protectionism, as Henry George says, does to your own nation in peacetime what the enemy would do to you in wartime. Every, no, every nation that goes to war, they know that a blockade, an economic blockade, is the way to crush your opponent. And that's exactly what Trump has done and the Democrats and Republicans have done by uh, all of their protectionist measures, uh, uh, whether the Jones Act or the trade barriers or the oil restrictions. They're doing to our own nation in peacetime what the enemy would do to us in, in wartime. And that's what... Uh, boggles the mind that they're behaving like the enemy cutting us off from the world's uh, commerce and uh, and getting no pushback on it i mean i just can't believe it well did you see the recent clip i guess trump was asked about the powers of the president and he said it must be like absolute and total like that's it you know he's when you when you become the president you've seen this clip i don't know the exact quote it's basically when you become the president of the united states uh you have absolute power and total power and that's the way it has to be so that's that's the most scary and what bothers me is that so many uh trump supporters accept that i mean my, well my, because he's lord and savior president trump yeah, right? yeah he's the one right. making america great again but mm-hmm. then he backtracked a little bit right because his recent tweets were basically telling you know riling up the people riling up his base uh, in all the states where there's like, you know, Democratic leadership in charge to like liberate yourself, right? Liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia, right? To, <laughs> don't let the governor keep you on lockdown. If you want out, let yourself out. Uh, and basically calling for that. So any, any thoughts on that? Like, is, is that the place of the president to do so? Is he, you know, is he right though? Right? I mean, it's a weird thing for the president to tweet, but it's also, yeah. If you want to, if you want to be liberated and you want to get yourself out of lockdown, isn't it the responsibility and 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 role of the citizenry of the people to demand that they be set free or to free themselves by <laughs> whatever means necessary? Rich, let me ask you: Who of of all the American presidents, who was the least harmful to American uh, the American economy and the American people? Oh my goodness! If I don't, I'm not going to be able to. I don't have like my favorite president or the best one. Uh, but if you if you want to pull like a name out of your hat statistically that did the least, uh, go for it. I'll I'll pass on that question. Well, I remember there was uh, uh, Grover Leonard Cleveland, Fair. right? Uh, there, is it? 
Well, that's right. Larry Reed gives a talk about his favorite American president was Grover Cleveland because he did all the things that people didn't expect of a of a, he was anti-corruption. He was anti-tariff. He was anti um, uh, anti taking over the Hawaiian islands. Uh, uh, he was uh, opposed to a lot of things, and he turned out to be a pretty popular guy too. Okay. Um, so uh, that was nice, but of course the the string of bad examples is so pervasive it's really really um uh, but even that well, i'm really gonna say like you know i don't i again i don't know enough about each presidency to say i threw that name out there because i probably read that article some years ago when it was first published or yeah. you know when i when i came across it uh but it, yeah it by, by no means i'm gonna say like oh yeah fucking love that guy you know because still shouldn't he still shouldn't be in office still shouldn't have the office the whole apparatus needs to be shut down uh but if you want to pick like the best of the absolute worst people in you know in in world history yeah sure it's a it's a name yeah who knows maybe uh calvin coolidge who basically wanted he he, he took it on his uh, as as i understand it basically it it's none of my business. It, you know, the business of America's business, go about your own business. And it wasn't, uh, for him to intervene. I I'd say that, um, that kind of attitude, it would be welcome, but Trump is completely the opposite extreme. He wants to, um, he wants to make out like, uh, he's a, uh, a, a new dealer or Franklin Delano Roosevelt, but with a new stripe. And frankly, I, what I see him doing with the massive debts, and that's another thing, they, they, these massive debts that he had even before this coronavirus thing uh, came on, a trillion dollars in deficit. Now, where in the world, uh, those are during supposedly the best of times that he said, and yet the government, uh, uh, you know, it, it shows no personal, no responsibility at all on their behavior. He, he did all the things that Republicans should have condemned him before. If, if if he was a Democrat doing the same stuff, they would have condemned him. But the, because he's he's their Republican, they they champion him as as if he could do no wrong. Maybe he's just trying to crash the system and, and give freedom to everybody. <laughs> well, he's already again. He's already calling for the individual citizenry of each state to liberate themselves. I've got a, I've got a serious question, Ken, and feel free to like not answer it if you don't want to. Um, but the, whenever the talk about like the debt. Or the deficit comes up, I go. I, I think about. I think of the number, and how large it is, and how inconceivable it is to conceptualize numbers that large. For me personally, does it really matter? Like, what what significance does the debt or the deficit have um, in politics, in economics, to the average everyday citizen? Like, why do I even care about that number at this point? Well, I think you're right that we've become so numb to the numbers. I, I remember when I uh, was in uh, Washington, D.C., believe it or not, I was uh, an economist working, international economist working in the Commerce Department and International Trade Commission. At that time, I remember the big milestone that the economy, the entire economy had reached the $1 trillion mark. And everybody thought, wow, what a fantastic thing. And now... We have a one trillion dollar deficit every year because the economy, you know, well, you know, they, they they've inflated the money so much and created so much uh, debt that these numbers are just 
mind-boggling. And I could see why people would say, well, what does it matter? It's been growing. We're, our life is pretty good. We've got uh, prosperity. And, and so what, is it, what, what does it matter, the debt? Yeah, like, seriously, what is the significance of that number? Like, I'm, I'm generally curious, now that we're talking about it, I'm generally curious. What difference to, does to it me, it just it just represents how much they think they can uh, tax us to pay it to pay it back or to slow down. The, but they're the going to tax us the anyway of that number. So and the number is going to keep growing. Like there's no ch- no chance that number ever gets paid off in any oh no. in any it's, significant lifetime. It's totally impossible. But for a lot of people, it's it's a number that. Uh, helps convince people that they that they owe taxes like well you have to pay for all this wonderful stuff that the country has given you and uh and so they can wave that number and say look it's 27 trillion dollars or what i don't even know what it is anymore um and yeah uh, they, and, that's, it went, and that's what you owe so yeah they go like each per each household owes a hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year to help pay that but they're never going to collect that i think the real consequence to people is the fact that um, these matter, m- m- these numbers matter only in that they print the money to pay it continually, and the printing of money so rampantly is leads to money inflation. Okay, now we haven't had price inflation too rapidly, uh, but it will happen now. I'm convinced that this uh, current stage of quantitative easing. Um, increasing the money supply at a moment when you're producing fewer and fewer goods and services uh, is going to lead to a hyperinflation like they experienced in countries after wars or during wars or during in Zimbabwe or in, in uh, Serbia. Um, and uh, inflation is hugely damaging to society because it has an enormous re- redistributive effect. There will be mostly the the lower income people in the country who depend on wages, savings, and pensions are going to find their the, the purchasing power gone, disappearing, and it'll be a tremendous transfer to the wealth of um, people who are debtors who get to pay back in cheaper money. The government's the biggest debtor in every country. People who own land and gold. Governments own the biggest amounts of that. And to the government that gets to print the money and spend it first before the prices goes up. It's a tremendous transfer of wealth from the general citizenry and that's been going on for a long time it's going to accelerate now enormously with this uh, current program of of quantitative easing at a moment when the economy can't produce um, much at all the decline in that is is astounding all right you want to take this at mc because you've been calling you've been saying that no matter how much they quantitatively eased you're still looking at uh, a period of deflation because of the debt bubble um, do you still stand by that? It's, it's, it's kind of hard to say because, uh, and, and I'm, when I, when I talk about short term, I'm talking about the next three or four months. Okay. So do I think housing prices will still come down? Well, it, they, they might not even allow people to, uh, you know, kick people out of their houses, you know, and that's, and that's exactly what's happening in Hawaii. Um, if people can't pay their rent, um, the government says, oh, well, too bad, you can't kick them out. 
Um, now that that's going to end April 30th and don't know what's going to happen after that. Maybe they'll extend it another month. Maybe it'll get extended indefinitely. Um, but if they can, and if, if nobody can afford rent, uh, then they would put their house up for sale because they can't afford it without the, the rent payments. Um, because a lot of people, uh, you know, went into debt to buy their rental properties. Yeah. Um, so we, we have a, it's, it's a debt bubble and it, the debt bubble extends, uh, all throughout the corporations too. And so that's one of the reasons why the banks are going to bail out the corporations is because the corporations owe them so much money. Uh, it's, it's a really weird relationship um, for the, so, for the average person. Let's stop for a moment for the average person. Um, isn't it fair that if if the government prevents them from working and from paying their bills, that the government from prevents those bills from being collected on, right? They they uh, could well, they could normally pay the rent, but the government says you can't go to work, and so the rent yeah. doesn't get paid. And the government says, "Well, we told them he couldn't pay the rent, so of course you don't have to collect the rent. And you you can live there as if you were." Yeah. I mean, that's that's if you believe that the the government is a cure and. And I think it's not. I think that the government is is a disease, and it and it corrupts everything. And that's why, uh, whenever you want to talk about what's fair, well, it's it's you know, to to me, um, there's a lot of things that are not fair that extend uh, to the to the highest levels of government, and and the banking system is the to me is the biggest part of that disease. Fair enough. Um, can you, you, you use the term price inflation versus regular inflation. Do you want to clarify that and what's more important to the general public? Like, do we really, do we really care, uh, if it, if it's inflationary or deflationary monetary policy, if all that we're caring about is the price of goods and services? Well, if you had an increase in productivity and no change in the quantity of money, then you could have deflation. And to me, unlike most economists, I'd say, out in the world. Uh, to me, deflation is a good thing. I think that most people, when they see the prices go down at the grocery store, say, oh, that's great, because now I don't have to spend as much on that, on product A. Now I have more money left over to spend on other things, so I'm richer. That's how I every, felt at the gas pump this week, by the way. Yeah, every every price decline enriches the general uh, working person because the money that they earn or the money that they've saved now buys more. And frankly, I've always been amazed at how most economists say that inflation is bad. It's bad for the economy. Actually, I think it's great for the economy. Deflation. Yeah, inflation, deflation. Deflation Deflation is great for the economy because it enriches everybody. Yeah, so I I would agree with you except for the the part about – you, you, you said it's really good for the working man, but we're in a situation where we could have over 30% unemployment. Uh, and Government created unemployment because oh, okay, they're not letting okay, anybody sure. work. Well, e- even even if the government says everybody go back to work, we're still going to have a, a high percentage of unemployment because of the debt bubble collapsing. So in, in a situation where people are not working, deflation isn't going to help them out at all because it'll be harder for them to find a job because there's less people willing to take a risk on hiring a person uh, when they could just more easily hold on to the dollars and 
when prices are dropping for the things that they want, it's you know much better just to wait for prices to dr keep dropping than than to you know risk hiring a person to to do something. Um, yeah, I've 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 heard that argument that uh, falling prices causes everybody to stop buying, but that's not whatever I've seen uh, on Black Friday, for example, after Thanksgiving. People rush to the stores because they see prices going down. They don't buy less because they say, "Oh well, you know, prices are going down. They're they're going to go down some more." No, they they rush to the store because they've got more. And is that because they, they anticipate the price going back up, though? Well, like it's easy to call I, Black Friday the bottom of the price of the price. Look, you know, chart. Look at the things. You know, look at the things. People prices have been coming down constantly for decades on computers and cell phones and. Uh, uh, you know, technology. We don't say, therefore, oh, I'm not going to buy another computer now because uh, I think prices are going to go down in the future. No, you 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 say, well, it went down. Okay, I'm going to buy a, 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 a new computer. When, when the, uh, and especially on things you're going to buy regularly, you know, you want to take advantage of the the low prices now it's it's true that maybe people are anticipating that prices are going to go up in the future but that this is all for, for, expecting government manipulation of the money supply uh to be shaping our behavior people people behave in what is their own interest they see that their money buys more and then when they when it buys more at, at lower prices they're richer because now they have more left over to buy other things people haven't been putting that in savings they go out and and spend it again well, first we got to get rid of minimum wage laws. <laughs> well, because, that's a good point. Because the pri the price of of labor, you know, has has necessarily come down for for people to be able to to be hired. Um, and I don't know at what point uh, people will, uh, you know, just stay unemployed uh, permanently. Uh, at, you know, what level of payment would would they accept? Um, but there's no reason the government should tell people. Uh, you know, how, how much they can accept. People go back to work when the unemployment check and the stimulus check stops coming in, right? And they go, shit, there's no food in the cupboard <laughs> and I can't afford it. I better right. go find a job. And so, yeah. and so in that case, yeah, lower prices would help them out. And inflation, believe it or not, is always a, uh, a reduction in the pay of the worker. I mean, in other words, uh, the reason that they're clamoring for an increase in the minimum wage is because the last minimum wage that they had 10 years ago uh, doesn't buy the same number of stuff because if inflation has raised has raised prices, it's been a, a real pay cut for them, and um, they're thinking that a raising the minimum wage is going to bring them back to what they were earning before. Uh, Isn't so, that a legitimate concern then? If you're yes, a, it if, is. if you're a, just a regular Joe American uh, employee who doesn't understand economics or how they got into that in the first place. Well, yeah, what else would a, you expect? Sure, it's a, it's a legitimate concern, but the answer to it isn't more inflation and raising the prices again. The the, the answer is to, to stop the money inflation. Uh, by the way, you were talking about what's the difference between money inflation and price inflation. Money inflation is when you increase the quantity of money. Price inflation is when the prices of things go up. It doesn't always happen at the same time. If you're increasing the quantity of money at the same rate that you're increasing uh, the quantity of goods and services, you're not going to have a price rise. Uh, like during the great, uh, the roaring 20s, we had in growing growth of goods and services along with the expanded money supply of the newly created Fed at that time. 
So we didn't see the prices going up. So we, they, they didn't recognize that inflation was occurring. Then when uh, the uh, taxes started to go up in 1929, uh, the, the Smoot-Hawley tariff and uh, big increases in income taxes and so on like that, the economy, and, and then the Fed contracted the money supply. And that's when we had, uh, uh, you know, a tremendous decline in, in, in the, well, we went into the Great Depression. And Milton Friedman argued in his book, uh, Monetary History of the U.S., that that's what caused the Great Depression, the bad behavior of the Federal Reserve Board. And I'd say that <laughs> they always think they've fixed it now. We won't do that again. But they always do the same thing. Well, you the, can't, the way I heard it, you just said deflationary monetary policy caused a depression, right? So if, well, if, they, if that's because, true. But it, it had been preceded by a tremendous expansion of the money supply in the Roaring Twenties. Mil, uh, Murray Rothbard writes in America's Great Depression that the Fed had increased the money supply by about 60%. And then it... Um, uh, then they contracted the money supply by 35%, which is about the same actual dollar amount. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, they shouldn't, they shouldn't have contracted the money supply and that you, you, you contraction above that amount can certainly bring on a, a, a huge collapse in the economy, but it was made possible because of the distortions brought about by the huge expansion of the money supply in the first place. This is Austrian business cycle theory where it suggests that, all the money expansion redirected investments into inappropriate malinvestment that couldn't be sustained by uh, by the economy by by economic purchases. So then, when they stop purchases, then you have this collapse. MC, right? And so we can have the the collapse, or we could try some other things. Um, but what they're trying to do is prevent the collapse at all, and that's dangerous because you're incentivizing bad behavior. You're incentivizing companies that should have uh, gone claimed bankruptcy already, like Boeing, or uh, to uh, keep doing bad. And th the worse they do, the more money they'll get. And that's that's just a terrible incentive. Sounds like for politicians that the collapse is inevitable, but. If they're only in office for four years at a time, if they can kick the can down the road far enough, the inevitable larger collapse will fall on the head of who was ever in charge then. Yeah, yeah. I, um, Mark Skousen did uh, uh, an excellent report. In fact, there have been a number of reports uh, about how the economy was already probably going into a recession already. But this uh, coronavirus then conveniently is is able to shift the blame for all of it to the virus instead of to the policies that led to this huge bubble, um, you know, the housing market and the stock market and all of this uh, bubble that it had gone on for 10, 12 years. Sadly, the politicians won't take the hit and the responsibility for it themselves. Um, they'll be able to blame it on uh, natural causes. Interesting theory. Nature. Interesting theory that we're going to have to save for another time because we're out of it here. Uh, final thoughts, MC? Nope. Final thoughts, Ken? <laughs> no, I think that's enough for me. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com. Uh, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, you may do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Thank you, Rich. Yeah.